welcome to Watch the Throne. What a lovely day. This is episode 8, Mighty Joe Young from 1998. I'm Mike Manzi. And I'm Joey Lewandowski. And this is a movie I can almost guarantee I have seen in theaters, and that I sort of know everything that happens in it, but didn't remember if I'd actually seen it or not. So we will get into that. I feel like a lot of movies we're recording lately, Mike. I just like, I'm like, hey, I've seen this, I think, and I remember zero about it, or I remember the bones of it. Like, I, it's, mm. I forget things so quickly it is startling <laughs> also this is 20 years old so i mean like i can't really blame myself yeah well for me what's what's cool about the charlie's stuff that we're doing is i remember like these are all coming out when i was in high school so i remember all of this stuff when huh. it was released and everything um it's just like i didn't see a lot like i didn't see devil's advocate in theaters i didn't see this in theaters and stuff but i was aware of this movie for sure and thought it looked cool huh but this is the first time i've ever watched it well with us today we have someone who loves this movie who told us before we started recording this movie makes him cry we had his podcasting partner on the show last week on our celebrity episode we have the second head of the two-headed beast of PSL of Hoffman finally correcting our glaring omission on not having either of these guys on either of our previous podcasts Kyle Reinfried hello Kyle hey what's happening guys thanks for having me Thank you for being here. So this was there were two movies when we when we announced that we did Charlie's that you really wanted. Yes. Uh, we've already done one, which was that thing you do. Yes. And this one. So what about this movie? Yeah. You know, what about this movie? Do you love like wh- <laughs> what about the, what about this movie? Do you love? All right. So first off, I mean, it's a Disney movie. I'm a Disney guy. When I was younger, there was very few jobs I ever wanted in my life. One of them was to be like a Disney animator, Disney voice like artist. The point being, I've just always loved Disney. And also just growing up in the 90s, like we're talking, that was like what I think was a great age for like Disney live action movies. And I think this one is, you know, like I'm not by no means am I saying like this is like a perfect movie. I also, again, I break things up into movies and films. This is just, I think, a very enjoyable, you know, like face value kind of movie. And for me, as far as making me cry, like anything Disney just always from its animated to its live action, they just they love of killing off mothers and it's just like and that just like gets me and the, the little like lullaby that she sings to joe and oh my god it's just like i just i love animals i always grew up with like big dogs i'm just like what's the next best thing a big gorilla like i just i don't know it's just it, it just t- it tugs on my heart this movie yeah i can see that man i mean like disney is propaganda you yes. know so it's like they absolutely know how to craft a film to tug at your heartstrings when it needs to so and i, I will mean, also say <laughs> the music in this movie is amazing and it's the composer James the, the late great James Horner who has composed some of like my favorite I mean soundtracks to some to even some of my favorite movies just from Legends of the Fall and, and American Tale and Field of Dreams the Rocketeer Jumanji like I mean it's just like Braveheart come on like these movies have amazing soundtracks <laughs> and this this movie I, I think it's the music that really uh, pulls me into emotionally you're making a strong case yeah and on top of that, like a, pr- a pretty decent, you know, like pretty decent cast between uh, B- the late great Bill Paxton and uh, your ma- your lead lady Charlize. I wish I liked this movie more. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I've just seen this before. Like I might have actually literally seen. Well, this it's before. a remake. It's a remake, so yeah. <laughs> well, I, have, I definitely have not seen the, the the 40s version. I can tell you that much. But I feel like between Godzilla movies and King Kong movies and Jurassic Park and just sort of other gorilla movies, like I feel like I've seen this before. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I think Charlize is good in this. But other than that, it just feels like every beat is 
something that we've seen before, and it's not different enough for me to be like, I, I don't think this is bad. Like, there's no, I, in, no, in no stretch of my imagination do I think this is a bad movie. I think this is a fine movie. I think it's an enjoyable movie. I think for a movie that's almost two hours long, which surprised me, I think it flies by. Mm-hmm. I just didn't like it more than I did, just because I felt like it's all stuff that I've seen before in other things, not necessarily done better, but just, like, there's there's nothing about this movie that really stood out. I, like I said, Charlize is good, like you said before, when she sings a lullaby, and, like, she cries over her, what she thinks is the dead Joe Young at the end, and, like, mm-hmm. she, she's good in this movie, just that, like, beyond that, I just... Nothing about this really pushed any buttons for me. I wonder if you would like the original one more because of just the time it was made. It's stop motion, black and white. It's a whole different type of filmmaking altogether, a whole different tone to it. But I think one of the issues here, and it hit me early on too that I wasn't expecting, was this is a family film for kids to watch. You know, like this isn't geared toward us. I I call it King Kong light. You know, it's like the light beer of kaiju films. (laughs) Uh, And and like, that's what drew me to Mighty Joe Young initially is like, you know, I was going through like all the Kong films and Godzilla movies and I had never seen this. So I purchased it, but then I never watched it and then intended to when Bill Paxton passed and still hadn't gotten around to it. But I ran into that wall early on, but I got over it really quickly for some reason. Maybe just because what worked best for me was they never hid Joe. Like he I thought we weren't gonna see him for a long time and it's like wham, he he's really like one of the main characters yeah. in the movie and we see him a lot and I really just think the effects work really well also, you know, in a post Jurassic Park age. Yeah, Joey said in the beginning it's a movie that's just about twenty years old and I mean, you know, like I think it holds up pretty well as far as its effects. It's a combination of CGI and then it's like the same suits that they used. I think it, it's, I read something like when I was reading the trivia on it that it's the same guy that did like the gorilla suit for like movies like Baby Days Out and I think even another movie and like oh yeah the guy the guy who like kept vowing yeah, over and over again I will never do another monkey yeah, movie yeah exactly just kept doing monkey movies but he kept doing it and I mean so it's just like a good combination of I mean you know like pretty realistic looking suits I don't know I've been a, I've been, I've been to a couple of zoos and seen some gorillas I don't know, it's it, like it, it does the trick I think the CGI is pretty good although there was one shot at the very end of the movie. I don't know if either of you guys caught this. Like at the when they, gate of the new... When they open the Joe Young National Park. Yeah. 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 And he's there. You can see green screen through him. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah, that oh, shot. you can? Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, I was like, oh, like I even That's rewound gross. it because I, like, I was like, there's no way that I saw what I thought I saw. Because like, he's standing <laughs> in front of trees and like I'm like, oh, I must have just seen like, you know, there were trees around him or something. And then you rewind, and it's just like I don't like I don't know how that happens, but it happened. And I was just like, oh, that's yeah, especially because that's a shot where he's like standing still. So how do you he's not? not moving. So how do you not do like I mean, number one, it's not that hard to then like Kodachrome or whatever you call that process, or on top of that, whatever their process was for like the animatronic suit, and then just making it bigger like on the screen. Like I don't know why yeah. they use that. But then the last shot of him just like running along like the mountainside yeah. and stuff like that. That looks good. But yeah, that one shot, I totally agree. It looks I was just, like, I, I'm glad you caught it because I was like, I thought I was like, kind of going crazy. I was like, there's no, there's no way yeah. that in this movie that costs ninety million dollars that like 
one intern wasn't like, uh, guys, can we, uh, can we, like, can we fix that? And then he was fired, but then they fixed it. You know what I mean? Like, like, how did nobody see that? <laughs> yeah, it's one of those, it's the ninth greatest mystery of the world. You know, Mike, what I was really <laughs> pleasantly surprised about is something that we always looked for in Cage movies. I don't know if we got really in Keanu movies, maybe, I mean, young again, but that's sort of the whole point of the movie, but, like, we got a young Charlize pretty early oh, on right yeah. there. Good call. Right. We have that sort of preface of her yep. with her mother and everything. And yeah, that's right. And then the poachers come and... Oh my God, I, don't. I'm going to start crying again. <laughs> it's the Bambi moment. It's the, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's why her and Joe have like a kinship because yeah, they're two orphans that uh, raised with each other in the jungle together. Mothers died on the same day. That's shush. It reminded me of that um, movie, was it Gorillas in the Mist, where is it uh, Sigourney Weaver goes and lives with Club. The, goes out and lives with the apes I just got the feel that this was you know on top of everything else it was a message film about preservation and you know endangered species and yeah. you know the proper etiquette and when dealing with zoos which you know I don't really I, I, zoos are just like oh man that's a tough subject but yeah. you know it's they do it they do their best to say there's an issue here Right with like the poaching and yeah. all that kind of stuff, as as well as keep it light, friendly, and family entertainment. And they have an amazing bad guy death in it. Okay, I'm gonna put that out there for like oh, a yeah. family so, movie. So, okay, Ooh. yes. So at the end of the movie, when Joe is at the, we're talking about the, at the amusement park, right? Where yeah. Yeah. yes. And so Charlize, uh, Charlize is basically facing down this bad guy who had killed her mother, had killed uh. Joe's mother. Joe like comes out of nowhere, and, like rips the guy up into the air, and I, I was like, "Oh man, shot. if this wasn't a, if this wasn't a Disney movie, I would love to see his like arm rip off." Yeah. And I was like, "But you know, it's a PG movie, it's a Disney movie. We're never gonna get that." And then he flings him, and the guy falls onto like a transformer and gets electrocuted. And I was like. Whoa, like, where did that come from? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the shot of Joe, it's, like, by, like, a fun house, so there's some mirrors, but it's just, like, it is CGI Joe at that point, but it's, like, there's fire around and just the anger in his eyes, and all of a sudden he comes up behind him and just snags him up, and first he throws him on the wires, and he's holding yep. onto the wire, and then just, like, that fine, the glove, the index, monkey chewed off my thumb and my trigger finger, you know, like, that total <laughs> thing. All we see left is that thing dangling there. It's fantastic. There's like two or three things that really, for me, help elevate all of that even more. Like, first of all, is sort of his fun-loving rampage through L.A., like when he climbs the Chinese theater oh, and everyone's yeah. like laughing at him and they're like, go, Joe, all right, I like, you're the man. Yeah. And then he has like, the, the, so they're painting Joe as sort of like, yay, we accept him, he's harmless, like, he's a gentle giant. And then there's, like, this murder scene. And what else is crazy is that the cop sees it happen, right? Like, the cop, like, gets out of the car and is, like, watching it, and then he like, he's like, we gotta call, like, the snipers in. And Charlize is just, like, standing there, like, way to go, Joe. Like, I'm glad we avenged our parents yeah. and stuff. <laughs> like, there's all these little things about it. it yeah, it's quite un-Disney-like. Yeah, I mean, oh, so this is coming, this is the same director as, I mean, Two movies that I really like, Tremors and City Slickers. But I mean, as far as Tremors go, that's a cool, you know, monster movie with some mm. cool deaths in it. So, I mean, the guy knew how to handle it, I guess, on that forefront. Yeah, I mean, even early on, like, the, it's not just that the parents are killed, but that the poacher guy does get fingers 
bitten off by Joe, right? Yeah. It isn't. Yeah. It is Joe as a, like a baby, as a yep. baby ape. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, even that is kind of going in a little further than usual. I wonder if it's because it's live action and not animated. They're like pushing it a little harder, or don't realize that they're pushing it as hard as they would like with animation and being able to get away with that. I don't know. Also, Joe being adorable as a baby is maybe helping it. Like, oh, you can't be mad at him for like chomping off fingers. Look how cute he is. <laughs> yeah, he did it out of like self defense. His mom was just shot and then he chewed off some fingers you know i was getting major visions here between this and the mcu because every time charlie's called joe big guy i was like oh it's black widow talking to hulk and, like, <laughs> it is. I wonder, and there's even a lullaby in every night <laughs> yeah that hulk thing now makes this make a lot more sense yeah. to me i think and like also why i might have enjoyed it subconsciously i could i could have just been thinking like that that's cool you know when we get to the recasting later, i'm like should i put scarlet in there just because and i was like nah like i can't do it <laughs> should we have recast joe like <laughs> recast joe as mark ruffalo yeah exactly or just as hulk you know just or be just like hulk. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean like there's that dynamic there of sort of, you know, Beauty and the Beast, kind of, but what otherwise appears to be this, I mean, obviously a very strong, resilient woman in both Black Widow and Jill here, but what appears to be sort of this fragile woman being able to talk this, like, homicidal monster down off the ledge, basically. In both, like, it's just like this beautiful love story. And, like, at the end of the episode, when we talk about what we want to nominate this for, like, this is the first instance of best love story that we're going to nominate for the Golden Wallpapers. I mean, like, the love between Jill and Joe, like, forget about Jill and <laughs> Bill Paxton. Jill and Joe here, like, have this, like, bond. Like, it's it's the best love story we've seen so far in a Charlize movie. The Jill and Greg, it's a little, like, I, you know, even, like, it's like he's 20 years older than her in real life at that point, and it's just, it's right. a little... It's a little weird. Her whole, like, I've never been on a date before thing, and just, yeah. Well, I don't feel like they sold her as Tarzan, you know? But that's who she thinks she's coming across yes. as? It's like, dude, like, there's mirrors in the jungle. Yeah. Like, come yeah, yeah. on, girl. Like, give yourself a break. I mean, really. Like, I can understand you never wore an evening gown. That's one thing. But to think that you can't pull one off is another, you know? I feel like the pacing of all this is off. That, like, first of all, the finale sequence is 45 minutes long like it starts an hour 10 into the movie i'm like there's no way that this i'm like oh but we we're starting yep. here like this is way like the breakout from the zoo is like preserve, an hour 10 yeah. in the preserve is like an hour 10 in and it turns into a kidnapping it turns into a kidnapping and then turns yeah. into a rescue and then it turns into the and then a rampage thing. it's <laughs> yeah, in another yeah. rescue and then a murder and then like i feel like because that finale is so long they have to condense everything leading up to that point the fact that she's like so hesitant of greg of bill paxton as soon as he's like oh, I don't have to get bitten by a bug or bitten by a spider and, like, go through hallucinations. She's like, oh, maybe you're not dumb. And, like, they're best friends. And then they go to America and they're basically, like, in a relationship. I understand that, like, you need to sort of move things along, especially if you're going to have, like, a 45-minute action sequence. But I agree, Mike, that, like, it's just, like, all of the character development in terms of their relationship and in terms of her, like, her sort of kind of coming of age of, like, going from villager to supermodel in America basically mm -hmm. oh we have to do this in 15 minutes because otherwise we have to cut out you know big sequences and like that's where 80 of our 90 million dollars went yeah they're banking off of that cool Bill Paxton researcher from Titanic vibe that he had like the <laughs> year before 1997 <laughs> just like oh yeah he's just a cool guy and you know yeah he, he does have like a heart of gold you know and then you've got the uh, 
was it Dr. Banks saying like, oh, you usually leave right away. It's just like, oh, he's into her too. It's not just superficial. To me, what it sort of is there for is something that I think the later King Kong movie ran into as an issue a little bit. The uh, Peter Jackson one sort of had like some talk about, I feel like they needed her to be romantically linked to a human so that you don't feel like it's just her and the ape the whole movie but like why i don't know why well because people are stupid i mean like i don't know because ju- <laughs> just just so i don't know i mean honestly like i feel like the movie would work better without any romance whatsoever and you just make them plutonic friends who are honestly just trying to save this like exotic creature you know for real like they're pulling their resources they're working together i, I mean they should have really stayed to try and fight off the poachers a little longer you know like the incident is really cool but we don't get one where bill paxton's kind of like on their side fighting and, and everything uh you, you know th- that's the only real threat that's making her look around and go what are my other options i only have one it's this guy who you know luckily showed up you know yesterday <laughs> has a preserve like i could at least take him there you know for now and, and he won't get hunted she doesn't really have much of a choice at that part because the romance stuff is like so generic and by the book and like every other movie like this you know what i mean like it's just they're sort of thrown into the situation together if there was anything unique about it i think it'd be fine but the fact that it's just like it really just functions because it has to be here for whatever reason like you're saying Mike. like it feels like a waste of time every time they try to develop that at all yeah you could have more action you know like you, you could have more set pieces like I, maybe it's a money issue too maybe they needed to pad out the script with some quote-unquote dramatic moments or light on the effects you know we need other things to do but it would have been fun to like see them go shopping for joe right like trying and, and like you never see what he eats or anything like i would love to see them go and like back up a dump truck to a grocery store or something and like when just you said shopping first i just imagine him on like rodeo drive well even that like getting him clothes i don't know or like shirt. training him like they we just like as, you know for the sake of brevity we skip all that too like the plot really moves along and tries to refocus on the poaching stuff for the you know the message i guess one thing i think is nice about this sort of is that we see charlie's sort of in a return to africa mm-hmm. we haven't seen her in africa in a movie before but that's where she grew up and i think that i wonder if that's what drew her to the script obviously it's a strong female mm-hmm. role i think but it's also hey you can sort of if you see where this was shot i didn't look that up i don't know it looked a little like jurassic park to me so i think it might have been hawaii oh, it at looked times, very much like I... jurassic park <laughs> well yeah i mean especially boy when they're chasing joe with like the humvees and stuff like that i was like oh my god this is like lost world reminiscent of like the cool mm-hmm. humvees like chasing down the pachyolephiosauruses and everything yeah they shot in hawaii california that's it so. that makes sense hmm. yep also shot in hawaii also featuring Saeed Jarrah lost. So, <laughs> yeah. Mike and I were talking about before that we wish that Saeed uh, Naveen Andrews was in this more. I was like, why didn't you, why don't we do a recast of him? Because he's in, like, he's one of the main characters in the first, like, 15 minutes of the movie and then he just disappears from the rest of the movie. So, do love some Saeed. Yeah, definitely, like, the Saeed's character and then um, so how you say his name? Stra- the main bad guy, Strausser, Strasser. He has, like, his right-hand man 
Like they could have, yeah. The right, his right hand man and Saeed's character could have been like the same person. Totally. And I like the actor. Not that the actor that played then his sidekick's name is Jack or something like that. But point being, not that he was bad, but I like Saeed is just like he's a fun. He's not enough stuff. Mm. I was, I was a big lost person myself. Yeah, I got excited when he popped up for sure. Yeah. He never makes it stateside. That's sad, <laughs> dudes. So the guy who plays the main poacher, Strasser, yep. or, or you know, yep, missing three fingers. Embarrassingly, I guess, but I thought that was the Vigo from John Wick oh, for most of the yeah. movie. Yeah, <laughs> you're just you know combining but, Eastern European accents and everything. Well, I I mean, like they, he does look a lot alike with the beard, but he's actually the guy from Taken Two. So I mean, yeah. I did see him oh. in some sort of like action movie after all. But yeah, that that was a shocker to me. Yeah, he's a good bad guy. He's I feel like he's been a bad guy and like other things too like you just said taken to oh that's funny i'm just i went, pulled up on like imdb right now it says batman begins i'm like batman begins he's the guy that's just, like he gives his coat too you remember that like little joke and oh the bum he's like oh nice coat <laughs> <laughs> that's weird that they got like a actor actor and not like a featured there are so many people that. in that trilogy though that are just like in a scene somewhere and just like oh yeah like he was in the, like it's just it, I, I i'm not surprised by that do you know what i was surprised by i don't know if either of you caught her a cameo in the car that joe picks up on his run down through downtown la yes driving I, that car more marguerite moreau aka katie from wet hot american summer i was like no way oh. yeah you know it's really funny i was just re-watching first day of camp <laughs> the past couple of days and then i watched mighty Joe Young yesterday, and so she was just like really fresh on my mind, and I'm like, wow, what a bit! It was, she was, hey, she's a team player. She was a '90s live action between the Mighty Ducks and everything like that. Oh, that's right. She has a Disney contract, so this must have been. She's a team player. <laughs> Love yeah. it. That's hilarious. Yeah. I was just, so I was super excited to see her. I was more excited to see her than the uh, use of technology in this movie, where Charlize has a pager and she gets a page that says in all capital letters, "Joe Trouble!" Exclamation! 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 <laughs> they don't overuse technology in, that, in this movie but I feel like that I was just like oh boy like that's a rough one <laughs> what that like it literally spelled out Joe Trouble you're saying it just, said Joe, it just said Joe Trouble <laughs> yeah. like that's like you know how we're conveying that like hey we've got this cool pager technology like let's use this in our mm-hmm. movie yeah and this is definitely in the window of new technology is coming out rapidly pagers cell phones the internet late 90s so every movie is going to get it wrong to some degree yeah. and it's always fun to track how wrong certain films are getting it along the way and this one like I mean a pager is not hard to get you just do Joe 911 yeah, like, exactly. that was just <laughs> universal I don't understand like how you get that wrong it's crazy I'm surprised there's not like a hacking sequence in this movie like the security <laughs> the security of oh. like, like it just needs that like you know oh we're going the mainframe and we're unlocking Joe's gate right now. You know who I wanted to mention because and it's I think it's especially fitting that Kyle's on this episode. Uh, there's like the two bumbling doofuses I love, that yeah, oh, the, yep, one of them, to preserve. Yep, mm-hmm. Wait, wait. Okay, so wait. I'm going to let you continue. So why is that? Because... Oh no, I know okay, exactly why. Because, <laughs> because one of them looked exactly like Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yep. Yeah. Like, I could have yeah. sworn if he was a lesser actor he would have been in this movie oh, or something around this time. This is around Twister era, right? Like, he, he probably got Twister and then didn't have to do this movie. Yeah, exactly. And they were probably like, we want to type like that guy in Twister. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh no, those guys are got like characters after my own heart. Like when they point to like when again when like the Doctor Bang 
Brooks, played by uh, Regina King, is just like, no, they look bad. That whole like dress sequence where she doesn't think she looks good or whatever, and they like point to those two guys, and the one guy's wearing a suit, but he's wearing Converse, and the other guy's wearing like a sloppy like sports coat and everything like that. Those are one hundred and ten percent characters after my own heart. You're totally right in saying that Philip Seymour <laughs> Hoffman would would have played like that character. You know, I thought it was him a couple times. I'm like, no, wait, because we're past that. And yes, I love Hoffman. Like, it, we would have gotten to this movie. Yeah, I mean, like this is sort of like it's a little bit after Twister, but it's sort of like Twister era. That same sort of like if he didn't have his breakout in Twister, I think Mike, like he would have been maybe. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. One thing I was really excited about in this movie and sort of proud of was we get a little bit of Fury Road esque. <laughs> truck sequence stuff yeah. <laughs> where Charlize is taking out two guys in the truck and then like dangling off the door and like jumping out of the car and everything and I'm just like this is 17 years from now not that she's I mean there's everybody's doing crazy stuff in Fury Road but like she's sort of setting this up like she can hold her own in these action sequences and like yeah. it's pretty cool no it's really awesome like I mean this is a movie I've seen several times not that I've seen every uh, modern Charlize Theron movie but like I've seen Fury Road, uh, Atomic Blonde, and just like seeing her now versus, you know, tw- 20 year later in her career, it's just like awesome to see like what she's now doing and just like, uh, again, she was, I mean, so she, what, she grew up in, I mean, you guys know better than me, but she grew up in Africa and she came over here and this is the eighth film that she's been in. Yep. She's moving along. I mean, eighth, eighth film and she's, is this her first, what's her first leading role? No, her first leading role oh. was, was the fourth so Whoa. her first movie, what she was a wordless extra, and then she was like a featured part of the cast in the second movie in Two Days in the Valley. Part of an ensemble. And yeah. then she mm-hmm. was a sort of a minor character in That Thing You Do, but in the yeah, Charlize cut, she was a uh, prominently featured. <laughs> Very featured. Enough. She's basically, yeah, supporting actress. <laughs> but then Hollywood Confidential, her fourth one, she's sort of still in an ensemble. But then like her fifth movie, Trial and Error, she is the female lead. Devil's Advocate, she's the female lead. Celebrity, she's... I mean, it's a Woody Allen movie, so there's no real lead other than Kenneth Branagh, and then here she's the actual lead. So I mean, this is really impressive, this early in her career. We yeah. were saying this on episodes that like haven't released yet that you haven't been able to hear as we're recording this, but like, it's amazing how quickly she went from being because she it wasn't like she was caged where she had family members who sort no. of were able to not necessarily not that people cast him because of Uncle Francis, but like he like the it connection was known. <laughs> here, this was all her that like hit up that she was beautiful and that you. Know, she had modeling and dancing yeah. experience and everything and obviously from this movie we learned that she can sing too but the fact that she goes from extra to like featured player to leading role in four movies or whatever is like remarkable well clearly i mean we know we're well aware now that she's incredibly talented very versatile but i mean yeah she i mean she's undeniably gorgeous she just has a great look it's like even be, it's besides her beauty she just has i mean she, had, she actually she just has a very classic hollywood look i think and yeah. so i think for a film like this that does follow you know as far as its weaker elements it's a it's a story we've seen before i have not seen the original mighty joe young so when did that one come out again 48 49 i think was it even that long ago yeah because ray harryhausen is in this movie yeah he's a minor cameo he's like a stan lee cameo mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. point being she just but i mean just coming from like the you know the damsel in the sh- distress the blonde she just has that like iconic look to her too yeah i think it also helps that everybody in this movie is sort of elevating the material which i like to see usually you know like she's great like she's super talented you know that helps like she's not just you know i'm sure her beauty got her in the door but like her talent kept her around like she built her house basically for other people to line up at her door but then you got paxton you know like that guy is 
great in everything. He's so solid and talented also. And, you know, he directed a Disney film with Shia about golf at one point. So oh, I guess that's right. his oh. connection. Hashtag all those movies. But yeah, I mean, she's remarkable and really works well in this role and is really selling it too. Like, she's just really genuine and I believe her. I believe, like, she's really from the jungle, I guess. I don't know. I, I believe she's convincing in everything that she does and not everybody is yeah and i think everyone in this movie is convincing and that helps too like they all are kind of hamming it up also to a degree well they're hamming it up to the disney level right yeah it's a certain style of acting right i mean it feels like a 50s movie at times you know where it's just like super safe yeah they're playing very much like i mean the tropes of those characters i mean you have your bad guy then you have his you know sidekick to the bad guy that's bad but then he won't do the baddest thing that the bad guy will do yeah yeah every Everything's very telegraphed and cartoonish yeah. and colorful. Yeah, and then you have, like, the nerdy... I don't even know if he's a doctor in it, but the one guy, actor's name is uh, David Paymer. Mm-hmm. The one that's just, like, that has to play hide-and-seek with him. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, he, like, runs the preserve. Yeah, 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 the nerdy boss that, you know, is playing by the rules, but then at the last minute, he's just like, ah, no, it's a very... I mean, it's free, will- it's free willy, <laughs> too, you know? It's just, like, that everyone's, like, you know, like, oh, we're not going to help you, and then they help break him out. So one thing that's sort of weird about this movie is that there were there were production delays a few times. There was one because of injury, and then uh-huh. it was intended for a summer release, and then it was released at Christmas. Like, this doesn't really feel... Like, I understand mm-hmm. that Disney movies can be Christmas movies, um, you know, like just like the, the sort of the tone and the mood of them are like, hey, like let's get the family together and go to the movie. But like this feels like a summer movie, yeah, not like a blockbuster movie, but it feels like a because it's it's basically summer the entire movie. You know what I mean? Like it feels like yeah, this is not the kind of movie. It feels like August or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But one thing of note is that when this was released, I sent this to you guys, uh, there was a minute and a half, I don't know why, a minute and a half short skating the half pipe, which I remember this. Uh, It's Goofy learning to rollerblade. It doesn't fit this at all, but I was really happy about that, that it was so short, as opposed to, as we're recording this, you know, a couple months ago, as you're listening to this, Coco came out with a 22-minute Frozen short before it. And it's just like, it's like, I'd rather have a minute and a half thing that's like, kind of funny, but also ultimately like, whatever, than a 22-minute thing where I'm beating my head against the goddamn seat in front of me (laughs) because it's so terrible. Yeah, thankfully they corrected all of that and it's been yanked from Prince and it's going to air on TV, the Disney short of in front of Coco. When I saw, like, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids in theaters, there was, like, a Roger Rabbit short in front of it that was yeah. also just, like, two minutes or something. Like, yeah, it's kind of cool how Disney does that as a tradition, but usually there's some kind of, like, connection, I feel. Recently, anyway, maybe it's just yes. because it's, like, Pixar with all of their, like, amazing shorts before their movies and everything. But yeah. And sometimes, like, the Pixar short do the thing better than the actual movie does like they like <laughs> they nail the theme in eight minutes as opposed to like a hundred oh, minutes yeah. or whatever I don't know why I always forget it but I always like whenever I go to a Pixar movie I'm like oh right there's a short before and then that's why I was so disappointed by it but, like you know you look back at like movies like there was a, I think it was one called Islands right where they're just like the islands that are in love with each other I'm, like that was like so good and then like here like you know if I had seen Mighty Joe Young and I saw Goofy learning how to skate I'd be like all right, like that's fine. Yeah, I mean, that was just, a, I mean, that's a classic thing that's been happening, I feel like, since even the 30s. Since movies, yeah, basically, since movies. right? Like, yeah, like Goofy was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, even like Looney Tunes used to be before Warner Brothers stuff. Nowadays, I mean, I agree with you, Joey, in the sense that, like, I've seen some of the shorts 
and they tend to like convey the message and their themes better in like a six to eight minute thing versus the whole you know like a long film like Upper Wally even which are fantastic films but I'm just saying some of these shorts have like really concise great messages any other thoughts about Mighty Joe Young that we want to talk about before we get into the recast game I mean what did you guys think of the music I mean did you feel like I mean it was it's kind of like that tribal just in short term it's like Lion King music almost you know it's just like I like that stuff I thought it was fine, you know? It yeah. just didn't really move me like it can sometimes. Like, I was watching Jumanji after this, and then I really felt the score in that. Okay, well, same composer, so that's, I'm fine with that. <laughs> okay, same composer, so yeah, I guess it's a sideways compliment. Yeah. So. Was that before this? So maybe he sort of spent a lot of, you know, he, he was spent on Jumanji, he didn't have a lot left over for this. Well, it's but. funny, you know, like, I mean, I'll just go with, like, the most famous one of all time, like a John Williams. Like, you hear some of his stuff, but then you see another movie... And you're just like, oh, he's using a little bit, like, you know, there's similar themes Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Like, there's this one, I feel like it's like a wooden flute, like whether it's a pan flute or a single, like, pipe flute or something like that, that he uses. uh, One of my favorite movies of all time is Legends of the Fall. And he uses in that, and it's very, like, a Native American sounding Mm -hmm. instrument, but he uses in this, and I'm like, holy shit, I think this is James Horner. And I looked it up, I'm like, all right. And then I just, I like the way, again, she like sings the, the mom sings the lullaby, then Joe sings the lullaby and the whole thing with the flashlights. It's just, they tied that into the score. So I, I, I really like it. Cool. I mean, I just wanted to mention one or two things quickly about the set pieces and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like not just Joe himself, which I think they pulled off really well, despite that wonky shot at the end that I didn't see, which is unfortunate. Like his habitat felt to me like the King Kong ride when you go to like Universal Studios or something like that. Uh-huh. I thought that was kind of cool that it like you know they were trying to make a point. They were saying he's not on display in like a dangerous environment, but he was clearly you know an attraction. Yeah. Uh, so I thought that was kind of they were saying you know modern zoos should not be theme parks, which is weird because this is Disney and they do run like a big yeah. giant theme park <laughs> and everything. So, but I mean well, yeah, that's they're, the message they're saying that hey, zoos stay out of our area. Yeah. <laughs> Stay in your lane, zoos. Push guards back away. That stuff about her on the truck is is awesome. Just the foreshadowing for Fury Road. I just have to say again, like that's that's really cool. And like it just goes like they really go all out when it comes to the action. Like they go, I feel like they go the extra mile for the effects. And when he's doing his little rampage downtown, yeah. it's it's a whole lot of fun. He's sitting on lots of cars. He's doing things. He's hitting buildings. He's tipping over stuff. Oh yeah, him on top of the Chinese theater, like the Empire State Building, is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And I guess finally, just like, this has been coming up, and I just think it's pretty cool. Okay, so she's like from Africa in real life. She was a supermodel in real life, and she had like problems with her teeth in real life. And in her movie so far, she's been like heavily involved <laughs> with a dentist in yep. one movie. Yep. She played a supermodel <laughs> in another movie. Yep. And she's from Africa in another movie. Yep. So, like, the movies are just like a reflection of her life. We're just watching her life, like, in real life. These aren't movies. Do you wonder? Her. I feel like we're probably too late in her career for this to happen but I wonder if we're going to have a movie where her mother kills her father you know what I mean oh. like, I mean probably not but that's the other really big she thing she got shot in her. a movie she was shot in Two Days in the Valley so that's a half covered or maybe maybe she'll be married to somebody and she'll kill her husband maybe that'll happen mm. Time for Hollywood Tycoon, a.k.a. the recast game. The rules of this game are simple. Each of us, we have five roles that we are recasting for this, plus a director. If we were remaking this movie today, who would we put in each of these roles? Who would we have direct the movie? There are only two real rules. Number one, cannot turn a female character into a male part, but you can do the opposite. 
and you cannot turn a non-white character into a white character, but you can do the opposite. The other rule, just because we like to make things extremely difficult for ourselves, is that Mike and I cannot <laughs> cast people that we cast last week because uh. they are off on location shooting their film and they are unavailable for Mighty Joe Young 2017, 2018. There's one more rule that you always forget, but it's a, it's it's I find it a hilarious rule, and you're the only one that sort of invoked it. Is that you can cast like oh, yes. fictional people, fictional characters, if you get like really stuck, Peter Venkman, whatever, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> or like you could go as far as to cast an inanimate object, like if instead of Clint Eastwood, you could recast him as like a chair if you felt like it. Ah, so. Yes. So uh, I, I wonder if you're saying that because you did something like that for this movie, but we will find out, I guess, very shortly on Hollywood Tycoon. All right. So do I conduct this episode? This is all you, baby. All right. So Kyle, you'll go first. And sure. I guess we'll go from like, I guess like least to best today. And we'll start with sort of like the smaller characters and okay. this guy, th- we'll go with Harry, the guy who is running the preserve oh. Okay. That, like, kind of small businessman. I went with Sam Rockwell. Mm. Oh. I think he brings, like, he can do wacky. Like, we've seen him, like, I don't know. I just say, I think he's a versatile actor and he's got some good comedic chops. But I want to see him, like, you know, prefer, like, he, he was, like, speaking to the crowd and he had the cocktail sauce on him. I don't know. I just feel like he could be, like, a good showman. Like, it'd be, you know, it'd be a bit different. But, but yeah, I went with uh, Sam Rockwell. Cool. He could dance with Joe. Exactly. I'd like to see he has that. to. Contractually yeah. obligated to dance with the great. The, they do, like, a young gorilla. Frankenstein kind of kind of thing putting on the Ritz, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Joey, who do you have? I am going to do this one and the Regina King role, the Cecily Banks role together because I cast them together. I don't know if either of you watched the show Shameless on Showtime. Yes. But Kevin and V, the next door neighbors, I think would be a perfect couple here. I mean, they're not together in this movie, but they're kind of at points sort of like a little comedic duo. And there's sort of a little bit of comedic relief in this movie. I think that they work really well together as a married couple on Shameless. And I think that they would be both great here. The actors are Steve Howey and Shinola Hampton. Steve Howey in that cocktail sauce scene would be sort of goofy. Yeah, he's awesome. The Regina King role, the part that she plays, there's nothing to it. Like there's, you know, Charlize is the lead of this movie, but the only other woman really of note has basically nothing to do, which is sort of a little disappointing, but you know, I at think, least she's a doctor. <laughs> yeah, at least she's a doctor. So at least her character has gone through med school or whatever. Yeah, so I think that they would be good together in those two parts. I just kind of had one. I love Sam Rockwell, though, but right now like, you can't get him out of my mind. Oh, actually, Mike, just, be- like, be- before you answer, did you do your thing that you've been doing where you have one part and you go from there? No, this- I didn't this time. Okay. Yeah, no, this time I didn't find sort of like my core actor to base the rest of the cast around. Yeah, I did. It broke the tradition. This guy I thought of immediately. I was like, why didn't they just get him to begin with. Uh, I think it's the first time I'm setting him loose, and I have to go with the Tooch himself, Stanley Tucci. I set him loose. I knew it. (laughs) In that role. Just because he's awesome, and I just, you know, he would play it as never losing control, always trying to keep it, you know, a straight face and everything, and instead of actually showing the control being lost and stuff, I just think it would be perfect fit for him. Awesome. Alright, so I guess, Kyle, go with uh, the Dr. Banks character, since we already got Joey's. Oh, okay. I kept it as Regina King. I like her. I think she's still, right. you know, like I, I didn't want to do a recast on that. That was just like, I, th- I think she would still do just as good a job. I think, I mean, she's definitely had a lot more roles since then. So I think just as a uh, veteran actress, I think she would even just like go to the director and be like, no, we're making this role bigger. 
And it's going to become more relevant. It would be nice to carry over, you know, and carry one character over, or I'm sorry, actress from one to the next movie. You know, we're not that far into Watch the Throne, but this is now two weeks in a row where the Hoffman guys are breaking all the rules. Last week, <laughs> a spoiler, Kyle, Brian casts himself as the director of the film. And yeah. here you are keeping an actress <laughs> from one film to the next. So two things, two firsts that have never been dared, attempted so far here on Watch the Throne. You guys are breaking all sorts of new grounds. Well, that's what we do on the P. Yes, I love Hoffman, but I'm okay with it. <laughs> I love it. I, I never thought of that, just keeping the same actor in the roles. Pretty smart, yeah. Why fix what's not broken? Yeah, it's a small role where she didn't get to do much, and again, I think she, that she would just be like, nah, she's going to bring like a little something different this time around, and I think she would start adding lines or something, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely have to beef up this part. Yeah. I went with Leslie Jones. That mm. for this part. Wait, so we got Stanley Tucci and Leslie Jones. All right. Yeah, running the preserve, and she'd be Dr. Banks. I don't know what her duties are. I guess, like, drawing blood and doing tests, but, you know, I'd like to see her order around the two lackeys and then see them try and feed Joe, and, you know, you could definitely incorporate those characters a little more and maybe pull back on the romance. Sure. I guess next up is uh, Strausser. I think that's how we pronounce it, right? Strausser? Uh, Strausser, yeah. Yeah, the lead poacher. The guy who misses fingers. Kyle, who you got? Can I say him with his sidekick? Is that okay? Because I feel like it was like a good... Yeah, if, okay. yeah, sure. Oh, I didn't okay. even cast a sidekick. Yeah, it's, it's, I, yeah. I kicked him out of here because he's not in the movie that much, but go for it. So as Strausser, I have uh, Jason Statham. Oh, I like oh it. Oh my God. As his like right-hand man, again, the character's name is Jack. That's how like little you know of him. The actor from Captain Phillips, Barkhad Abdi. Ooh. Yeah. Oh. What was he just in? He was just in another movie. He was in Blade Runner. That's right. Something else. Yeah. And I just want to add to that that I would combine that character with Saeed's character. So he yeah, would be, that's a good he would be he would be there in the thing and you wouldn't have that miscommunication. You'd have him calling up and like or whatever instead of, you know, that whole thing like, oh, you know, like Said was right or whatever Said's character's name was. But yeah, Jason Statham. So I threw that in for you, for you guys with, uh, you know, some uh, fast connection yeah, fast down connection. the road. Yeah. Yeah. Who do you have, Joe? Oh, boy. Who did I put? Oh, OK. We <laughs> honored this guy. This well, We might have a match, Mike. I think we might have a match. <laughs> we do. Yes. I'm just saying it now. We have a match. It's the only thing I could think of. We honored this guy last month on the Golden Hot Dogs, the Keanu Club Awards. If you need a villain of vaguely Eastern European descent... I don't know how you don't go with Peter Stormare. I mean, he's so good. I love Jason Statham. I think that he, I would rather see that movie. I'd rather see him in anything. But I think here, just for this, like, this is not a huge part, but just like that villain. He's got the beard already. Like, it's got to be Peter Stormare. Yeah, I, I had the same thing. And, you know, I just feel like he would sort of work in a family film a little more. He's like a little more goofy, a little less menacing than Statham. That guy would kind of like pump it up a little level of intensity. But Stormare was the only guy. I could think of yeah it just brought a big smile on my face too when I was thinking about it like he would definitely pull this off really well it took until we got to Peter Stormare for us to match but we finally did it Mike oh that's right this is the first time this ooh, it's a whole wow. episode of firsts first time Joey and I matched I've matched guests before but Mike and I have never matched before so pretty exciting we might have to retire this game we finally got our match we are done you're done <laughs> recasting okay no <laughs> and we're done <laughs> All right, so I guess now is uh, Greg, uh, Greg with two G, Greg with three G, yeah. <laughs> Chris Evans. Nice. Yeah. So Captain America. Captain America. I wanted it to get like a little closer in age. 
So it's not as creepy in that forefront if we keep like a romantic, you know, story going on. You'll see where I'm going a little bit that I have like him and Jason Statham. So I'm just picturing that there could be maybe like a bit more physicality between some of these guys, like a little bit more conflict. Maybe we go back, they miss them in LA and they have to go to Africa and there's this crazy thing where all the animals at the end and like he gets to ride Joe into battle. <laughs> <laughs> that I would like to have seen maybe <laughs> no one rode him, right? That would have been awesome. I went with someone I think has similarities in terms of persona to Chris Evans. Mm-hmm. I went with a guy who I think could do this part really well. Kind of a sort of a cap. He's he's another he's another captain, if you will. Nathan Fillion. Oh, um, okay, yeah. Captain Mal Reynolds from Firefly and Serenity. I just think that he's like that. You know, the handsome. I could see him as sort of like a modern day because this guy is sort of like a, a poor man's modern day Indiana Jones, sort of like yeah. you know, like a Jurassic Park kind of thing. I think if they had to reboot, he may he's maybe too old now, but if they had to reboot Indiana Jones, I would think that he would probably be at the short on the short list for that, and I think he could do this role pretty well. Very cool. This was a tough one for these last two. I saved for last because I'm still it's it's a split decision at the end here for me. <laughs> I'm gonna. <laughs> Say, but I finally decided. But this was tough. Like I, want, I was thinking this type is like around a lot. Like there's like Chris Pratt in Jurassic World yeah. reminds me of this character a lot and stuff. And ultimately, I went with one of his shipmates in Guardians. Uh, I went with Bradley Cooper oh, for this role. That's good. Yeah, he's got like that good amount of rugged Indiana Jonesness and charisma and and all that. And then if you, if you were gonna do the romance thing, I don't know. I feel like he be more of a romantic leading man than maybe Bill Paxton comes across. Yeah. So we all went with like Marvel space or captains and <laughs> yep. <laughs> and we could keep Marguerite Moreau in there and have a little bit of a wet hot American summer reunion. Yeah. Oh, that's right. DJ Ski Mask. DJ Ski Mask. <laughs> Okay, so we're down to the last two here. I think we saved director for last. Yeah. We got Jill now. Yes, uh, Jill Young. Herself. Mike, I went with someone that we actually met many years ago. Ceres Ronan. Oh, dude, I was thinking of her. Yeah, met her at Comic-Con. Yeah. Searsha. Is this Searsha? I thought it was Searsha. It might be Searsha. It's Searsha or Searsha. I just heard Greta Gerwig's WTF, and she said that she was saying it one way, and then they were on, it might have been Charlie Rose before Charlie Rose got canceled. Searsha or Searsha said her name the right way, the Irish way. Yeah, the, 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 the Gaelic way. We didn't even try pronouncing her name when we yeah, interviewed her. Just <laughs> we so, just said, yeah. like, Miss yeah. Ronan or something. Yeah, I interviewed her for Hannah. Her, Eric Bana, and Joe Wright. But yeah, I just, yeah, nice. I went with her. I thought yeah. that she, uh, definitely, uh, a great young actress and kept in, I guess, the blonde lady family. So there you go. She's so good in Lady Bird. She's so good in Lady Bird. And she's so good in Brooklyn, too. Brooklyn made me cry a couple times. What you, what, what this movie did to you, Brooklyn did to me. <laughs> really? Yeah. Maybe Ugh, if she was Brooklyn. in this movie, you would cry. Ugh, Brooklyn. I went with someone, again, Mike, this is another one, just like for The Devil's Advocate, the first time that she opened her mouth, I was like, that's Riley Keough. I saw the first, one of the first things we see of Charlie's in this movie is her running through the jungle. I'm hyped on this movie now because of you, but thinking of women running through the jungle, I gotta go with Alicia Vikander, the upcoming Ah, Lara Croft, and have her in this role. I mean, it's a different kind of role, but I think she could definitely absolutely play this. I I just Mm. like her a lot. I cast her in The Devil's Advocate as uh, Keanu's stepsister. Mm. Remember that? Yeah, I totally approve of that. Cristabella Andrioli. Yeah, she's awesome. Man, this was a tough one for me. I just couldn't really land on it until the end. But ultimately, I just went with someone who I like to watch act and is always really good and could probably 
pull this off really well in a similar way. I want to see Mary Elizabeth Winstead do this part. Ah. I think that that would be uh, pretty cool with the rest of this cast. Yeah. I'm surprised that we haven't cast her yet. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. This is the one, I'm always at least one where I was like kind of hesitant about and I'm not sure. And this is the one this week, but I'm sticking with it and and I'd like to see that. I don't know. Uh, Maybe it's just uh, I want to see her in like one of these Godzilla movies or maybe, you know, she did like that Cloverfield movie. So I think of her as open to doing a role like this or being in like a Kong film or something like that. So that was my reasoning. I dig it. All right, guys, the final category is director. So Kyle, who do you got? All right. Mine's a kind of a bland choice. I I chose it. I hope you pick Brian Rodriguez. Yes, Brian Rodriguez, he's such a bland choice. No, I decided to go with a Disney live-action company man director. I went with Gore Verbinski. He did a lot of the parts of the Caribbean. I mean, he does a fine job with the CGI live-action, like, adventure films. So, figured why not give him a shot. Nice. I like it. I could definitely uh, see his aesthetic applied to this type of film with, like, the fantastical elements. I went with another director whose first name is also a common noun. Someone who <laughs> recently did a kaiju film and did it very, very well. The movie was about more than just that. It was about a character study of the leading lady. I went with Nacho Vigalondo, Austin's own Nacho Vigalondo. Um, nice. I think he could do a... He's done a couple movies, not similar to this, but similar enough that I think he could do a movie like this. I kind of want to see like what Nacho would do for like a Disney movie. I appreciate mm-hmm. how weird he gets, but I think that he could bring the sort of specific, the type of magic and stuff that he brought to Colossal, he could bring to this maybe. So I want to see Nacho yeah. do a movie like this. It's funny, like, his movies are so light, but they feel like lighthearted films, but then they just are all very dark and dark, you know? (laughs) Uh, Like, they're very, very dark comedies, and they work really well in that regard. I'd love to see him do an actual lighthearted family film. That's a really cool choice. This is crazy that we were talking so much about, like, Fury Road and Mad Max and all that kind of stuff, because I picked... George Miller for an entirely different reason, which is Babe and Babe Pig in the City. Uh, and the Penguin movie. And Happy which Feet, I yeah. Yeah, yeah. But mostly for the Babe films. I just think George Miller, with this material, would definitely knock it out of the park. You don't really have to do all that much more, I guess. Like This movie feels like it pleased the committee on like all of the levels. Um, I think George Miller might be able to find some room to take it in some place you might not expect or some place that just makes it feel like Joey hasn't seen it before, you know? Like, just in the sense that, like, this isn't well, I appreciate um, that. familiar or anything like that. So yeah. I went with George Miller. I was thinking at one point Taika Waititi. Oh, yeah. Well, it's funny, I mean, like, all that Hulk talk and stuff, like, yeah, I could definitely see yeah. all of that. Cool. Yeah. All right. I think that wraps up Hollywood Tycoon. Sure does. Now, before we wrap up the episode, let's talk about the Watch the Throne Awards, the Golden Wall papers or better name to be determined i already said that i think we should submit this for best love story between jill and joe do either of you think there's anything else good or bad enough about this movie to nominate it for any award that either exists or that we could make up to specifically honor this film again i'll, I'll go with i really enjoyed the music but then also i enjoyed the i think there were some good chase sequences but just knowing what's coming down the line for her and stuff like that <laughs> mad max it doesn't it doesn't compare with yeah the, maybe also worst love story between her and Bill Paxton. Oh, 
That's okay. Well, so for worst love story, would we have like her and Keanu from Devil's Advocate? Like, is that one yeah? Because exactly. I mean, he's pretty. That's right. Pretty abusive yeah. too. So I guess we could do worst love story. Okay, let's see here. Okay, so under best love story, we're gonna do worst love story. I mean, she's been in so many bad. Oh no! Like we've already like we already have a full category there. Like we have her and what's his face in Two Days in the Valley is terrible. We have her and Keanu in Devil's Advocate is terrible. We have her in this is terrible. It's a it's a big category, I think. I like it. All right, <laughs> we it's only from what we've seen so far. So like stuff will be put on and taken off as yeah. we go along. So whatever we have. Now. Like I said, it, it reminded me of like Lost World, like their little chase sequences. And as soon as I said that, I was just like. You asshole. Fury Road's coming out. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, we can't... Like, we're doing the same thing over on Magic Mike's. Basically, for Magic Mike's, we need to have a song that can compete with Pony. And if a song is not going to beat Pony in, like, the, the, the awards at the end, like, it shouldn't even be nominated. If we're going to do best chase sequence, like, something needs to be on par with Fury Road, which, oh, by the way, is, like, the best chase sequence in the history of movies. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I don't know if I yeah. want to... Like, I love that idea. I love recognizing this for that, but, yeah, but. That, it's going to be like a 90% vote for... Like, I don't know that Mike and I would pick anything else other than, other than that, so... Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, even if it came down to, like, best action sequence or something, yeah. you know, that's even then is hard. Best bad guy death? I don't know. Is that a category? Well, I was going to say best death in general, but we already have, like, best Charlize death. We could maybe start a best death not Charlize or something our best villain yeah best I don't villain know. he's a pretty good he's a pretty good villain alright let's see here I was trying to think of a way to integrate the music if we didn't do best song this time but just did best music we could nominate the movie instead of a particular song but then if there was a song we could just nominate the yeah, movie yeah best score it. I don't know well we can do we can have separate categories yeah. for best death we have Raid Serbaja as Strasser electrocuted <laughs> Mighty Joe Young. Mike, are there any other deaths from any of the other movies that we've done so far that we should nominate for oh, best man. non... I just have right now is best non-Charlize death. I mean, I'm sure there's a great corn death somewhere in Children of the Corn 3. If we don't remember it already, like, it's, is it, yeah. was it worth... I mean, should we have Keanu's, spoiler alert, suicide from The Devil's Advocate? What? I mean, that is a pretty good one. All right, let's see here. Uh, Keanu Reeves suicide in the devil's advocate so then we have so we have best song oh that thing you do is on there so best score slash soundtrack we have mighty joe young all right the other thing was worst love story if we're gonna go back well actually okay so hold on so best score soundtrack are there other movies that we've done mike that we should nominate for that category well, I mean, that thing you do, probably, All right. the at this point. I mean, Devil's Advocate, I wouldn't say, because it's... Show me your I tattoo? <laughs> exactly. Like, that's in there. But, okay, that's so the, the other, the going back for a second to Worst Love Story, we should do... Okay. Oh, God. Uh, we gotta do Celebrity. We gotta do Lee and Supermodel. So even though it's not really a love story. Trial and Error is bad but not as bad hollywood confidential just yeah, have at least they're portrayed to be in a loving relationship with each other the dentist in that thing you do is Beyonce. okay they end up together yeah they're happy they're superficial people i think the other one we got to do is two days in the valley oh what's his name from sex lies yeah he puts her out of her misery uh, she's like dying and he kills her why can't i pull his name uh spader james spader yeah his name is Lee, too. Man, she should just not date Lees in movies. Wow. <laughs> Lee and Helga, Two Days in the Valley. All right. Going back through this real quick, we have four categories nominated. We have Best Love Story, wow. 
worst love story, best non-Charlize death, and best score slash soundtrack. I think that's pretty good. Boom. I think it's pretty solid. Sounds good. So I hope that adequately reflects how much you like this movie, Kyle. Yeah. We appreciate you being on. We're, I'm Thanks. glad that we had somebody who really loved this. Yeah. I feel like I'm indifferent enough and Mike likes it, but it's relatively indifferent enough that if, if, if we didn't have somebody on here who was really passionate about it, it might have been a shorter episode. So I'm glad you were on. I'm glad we finally corrected our mistake of not having you on. And we're looking forward to having you on more Cage Club crossover episodes in the future. Yeah, thank you very much for having me on. And I'm glad I've been on PS I Love Hoffman plenty of times and are going to be on it again soon. Uh, so I don't know exactly when, when this episode is going to be released. This but... episode comes out January 19th, which okay. maybe by this point we would have canceled PS I Love Hoffman. I mean, we joke about it every time we're yeah. on that show. <laughs> Any any minute now, any day now, we might can't we might pull the plug on your show. Yeah, just do it. Yeah, <laughs> so it's cool. But no, yes, Mike and I will both be back on your show in the near future. I'm not sure if you're coming back for anything here, but we're we have so many other things in the works that you will be on stuff that we do in the not so distant future. I'm sure of it. Awesome. Always, I appreciate it. Thank, thank you guys for your friendship and, and mentorship. Aw. One other thing I want to say is that we do have an email address for the show. It is watch at cageclub.me. You can let us know what you think of Mighty Joe Young. You can let us know what you think of this recast of the Hollywood Tycoon game as a whole. Anything you want to let us know, watch at cageclub.me. And you can go to cageclub.me for all the episodes of this show, all the episodes of Kyle's show. I would like to plug one podcast. We'd plug a podcast at the end of every episode. I would like to plug Monkey Club, I think is probably appropriate. Right, Mike? That we have here for for a movie about monkeys. We had a short-lived 10-episode run of Monkey Club back at the beginning of Phase 2 of Cage Club Podcast Network. When Mike and I launched Keanu Club and Joe 2 and I launched Zack Attack, Monkey Club was right there with us. Mike and I were both on episodes, and uh, I miss Monkey Club. Yeah, me too. Hashtag bring back Monkey Club. Hashtag bring back Monkey Club. There are rumblings. I don't think it's going to happen, but there are rumblings that Monkey Club could come back. As long as I don't have to ever watch Shockma again, I think I will be okay <laughs> with that coming back. <laughs> have to watch back. it that one time, and you're cool with that? No. <laughs> oh, God, it's so bad. But yeah, so go to cageclub.me, check out all the episodes of this show, P.S. Love Hoffman, Monkey Club, and all of our other good shows on the network. You can go to facebook.com slash cageclub or at cageclubpod on Twitter to stay up with the latest and greatest of what we have to offer. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Google Play, and Stitcher. Anywhere you want to interact with us, feel free go ahead and once again watch at cageclub.me I'm Joey Lewandowski and I'm Mike Manzi and that was Kyle Ryanfried see you next time on Watch the Thrill Watch the Thrill